Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner with this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Looking forward to the show today. I thought of a topic that is central to personal development work and spiritual development work. But while we've touched on it from time to time, I have not dedicated a program to this topic in over two years. Uh, I checked. It was uh, early August of 2008, the last time I did a program on what I call the vicious cycle of fear and ignorance. Or if that's too severe for you, how about the vicious cycle of confusion and anxiety? Because they're really the same thing, and the important concept to get today is the way in which they are indeed a vicious cycle, the way in which they feed each other and create an engine of distress, pulling you down, off-center, out of the best parts of you, into your reptilian brain, into your animal nature, where confusion just creates more confusion and anxiety just creates more anxiety, and down you tumble deeper and deeper into the abyss. Most people don't even recognize this happening, uh, although if I explain it that way, it's pretty easy to go, oh yeah, well every time I'm angry I do that. Right? Well, that's why you get angry, because you don't understand the hurt. Any psychotherapist or hypnotherapist will tell you to manage anger. You must find the hurt underneath the anger. So why don't we do that? Why doesn't it occur to us to look for the hurt? Because we're too confused. Because the anger has come out of confusion. Why would they say that? Why would they do that? Why am I in this situation? Why does this always happen to me? Oh, no, not again. Right? I don't know I'm in a mess. I'm just confused. It looks like a mess, but <laughs> it looks like everything is going south, but I'm not sure. I don't know for sure. I'm just confused because I'm anxious. But the problem is that confusion creates more anxiety, which creates more confusion. And if you're ready to roll up your sleeves and get dirty, uh, the real words are fear and ignorance. Call confusion ignorance or confusion. Call anxiety fear or simply anxiety. It matters not. We don't hear the words anxiety and confusion together very often, but fear and ignorance tumbles off the tongue like it's one word. And of course, the complement to fear and ignorance, which we're going to talk about today, because we have to have a happy ending, right? The antithesis of confusion and fear would have to be a peace of mind and a level of understanding. So, there is an upward spiral that we can go to that will lift us higher and higher into levels of expanded awareness, breaking us out of this 
vicious cycle of fear and ignorance, and it's essentially love and understanding. And I'll come back to this in a few minutes, that peace of mind or an absence of anxiety, of inner peace, if you will, is love as a spiritual quality, way beyond emotional affection or emotional affinity, is love as true contentment, as peace of mind. But that requires an understanding of what had confused you before. The good news is out of that peaceful, loving state comes the ability to understand more easily and more clearly. So they promote each other. I can't call it a vicious cycle. I can call it a beautiful upward spiral (laughs) of love promoting understanding, which promotes more of this peaceful, contented, expansive, uh, loving feeling, which makes it more likely that you'll understand and have aha experiences of insight and intuition. And yet, to fail to do that, to rely on our natural instincts and the survival response, the fear response, the fight or flight, run amok, thinking confusion is danger and preparing us for danger, when we need to prepare for the confusion, we need to to learn to be cool and calm and collected on demand to breathe and relax, to even remember that we have choices. That's the amazing thing about stress and anxiety and the confusion, the the, the fear and the ignorance that comes out of this is how easily we slide into it without even considering the fact that we ought to be able to put the brakes on this or understand it, do something to get out of ourselves, be more objective, look at it as if it didn't involve us, but was just a television program, let's say. Could you detach to the point that the really upsetting things in your life, when they upset you, as they upset you, could you just detach and imagine this is a TV show and you're sitting back on the couch a beer and a bag of chips and be interested in it but not so caught up in it not so frightened and threatened by it that your body automatically goes into some survival mode that's that's the problem learning how to substitute a relaxation response for a fear response for the or for the so-called fight-or-flight response. How do, we, how do we get conscious enough to remember that there's another way of doing things, that I don't have to get angry and upset, I don't have to yell or throw things, or I don't have to go into the silent treatment. People handle their anger and their hurt in different ways. Some people start screaming, some people start crying, and... Some people get silent and morose and withdrawn and 
you can handle it handle it any one of a dozen ways, but actually that's not handling it. Those are <laughs> those are, are, are responses, but they're not beneficial. They're 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 not uh, effective responses to becoming emotionally upset and and trapped in this vicious cycle of fear and ignorance. That's our topic for the day today. I want to talk a little bit about brainwaves because it's a kind of an elevator phenomena here that I want you to understand. Often the word deeper is associated with more relaxed. Um, you lay down, you, you drift off to sleep. In the morning you wake up, right? And uh, people that lead meditation exercises whether it's yoga or gym class or or some temple, um, often we'll use the phrase deeper and more relaxed. What is going down when we relax and what is going up when we wake up and gather stress and tension? Well, what's going up and down, the elevator here, uh, is brainwave. So I want to do just a few minutes on brainwaves, orient you. You probably understand this anyway. So we'll just touch upon it and then explain how that interfaces with our concern today about the vicious cycle of fear and ignorance or confusion and anxiety, if you want to soften it, and how to break out of that and move to a higher uh, a, a, again, a different cycle, but instead of a vicious cycle pulling you down, about a gentle cycle or spiral lifting you up, all right, so that you can uh, see broader horizons, so that your view and your understanding is more inclusive, uh, to lift you up to see the bigger picture. It's very much what enlightenment really is. It's an elevated perspective, and um, that comes out of love and peace and promotes more love and peace. When you get frightened and confused, uh, we focus in, we, we break everything down into tiny little bits and pieces, and we fixate or obsess on the details. So... When you go to the details and you break things down and you still don't understand what you need to understand, maybe what you're missing is not a detail, but the big picture. You need to go in the other direction. This, then, is another way of talking about the same problem and benefit that we've been discussing here today, the vicious cycle and how to replace it with an upward spiral to get that elevated perspective. Well, brainwaves, let's do just a few minutes on brainwaves. It's a pretty fascinating phenomenon, and I think you need to know a little bit about it. I was uh, speaking with one of my doctors this week about sleep cycles and brainwaves, and uh, I think he appreciated that I knew a little bit about it, and I think everybody should. It's not a complicated or difficult concept. Essentially, the brain is an electrochemical organ 
And as a result of uh, the electrochemistry of the brain, a very low-power radio signal is broadcast. Everybody's brain, everyone who's alive anyway, their brain is literally broadcasting a radio signal. The type of energy is called RF. It stands for radio frequency. It is electromagnetic in nature, and it's part of the understanding of magnetism and its relationship to electricity that we discover this phenomena of electromagnetic waves radiating through the air. We don't know how to broadcast electricity yet. Some say Nikola Tesla had that figured out, and when he died, the FBI stole all of his papers. Uh, on behalf of Standard Oil or <laughs> or whoever. Supposedly, Tesla was broadcasting electricity. But while that's debatable, certainly we uh, have been broadcasting radio frequency for over 100 years. And the brain does that. It actually broadcasts the radio signal. Now, if you had a radio that could tune in to the frequencies of the brain, you would not hear your thoughts. You would not hear music playing or the news or anything, of course. What you would hear would just be static noise. Um, technical, the technical way of saying it is that the brain waves that are broadcast as radio signals are unmodulated. They are not modulated. Uh, it's sort of like, imagine a uh, uh, an FM tuner with the red light on for stereo and, and uh, the radio station uh, suddenly stops broadcasting a signal. Uh, let's say there's power failure at the radio station, but the station is still on the air. The needle is still centered, the red light is still on, you're still receiving a signal. If they went off the air, you'd get this shh of white noise, but there's still a signal, it's just silence. That's sort of analogous to a brainwave. A brainwave is being broadcast, but there's nothing to listen to. What's important about brainwaves is the frequency because unlike your favorite radio station, which is always in the same location on the dial, it's licensed to stay there, right? The brain moves up and down the keyboard. The brain might, might, might be down here at the low end of the dial one minute and at the high end of the dial another minute and transitioning through the middle. So... What we're interested in reading brain waves is what's the frequency? Is it a low frequency? Are these deep brain waves? Or is this a higher frequency? And the spectrum is roughly 1 to 40 hertz. That is 1 to 40 cycles per second. Right? One cycle per second is called a hertz. So you have kilohertz, thousand hertz, and megahertz, millions of cycles per second, <clears throat> gigahertz, right, 
which would be um, billions of cycles per second. But all the way down on the slowest conceivable end, 1 to 40 cycles per second. We're very, very slow compared to radio. You have brain waves. You have this little bit of the spectrum from 1 to 40 hertz that the brain moves through. Now, the first, by the way, this was discovered about 100 years ago. And the spectrum, 1 to 40 cycles, has been divided up into four areas, uh, rather arbitrarily, I might add. And given names, these four regions of the spectrum, based on letters in the Greek alphabet. And from the bottom up, they are delta, theta, alpha, and beta. These are the four ranges of brainwave frequencies. Beta, the last one I mentioned, is by far the largest, nearly three-quarters, about two-thirds or more of the whole spectrum is beta. And that's awake. That's um, alert, focused out into the world through your physical senses and sensations, um, but also somewhat scattered and easily distracted. Moving below beta means moving below, oh, about 13 cycles per second into a range called alpha, which is roughly 8 to 12 cycles per second, all right? 10 cycles plus or minus a few, 8 to 12 hertz is the alpha brainwave level. These brainwaves are a little bit slower and this state is associated with concentration and relaxation, focused attention, intently but effortlessly fixed on one particular thing. Okay, that's alpha. It's often in, uh, there's other names for it in athletics. This is often described as flow or just being out of your mind, playing in what's sometimes called the zone. Uh, that's alpha. Below alpha is the theta brainwave level. And if alpha is 8 to 12, then theta is about 4 to 7. 4 to 7 cycles, deeper now, slower cycles, and the majority of time that your brain is broadcasting theta, you're asleep. This is where dreams happen. You can dream in alpha, but they, those tend to be daydreams. The deeper hypnagogic imagery of a dream that you have when you're unconscious is most likely to happen in the theta brainwave level. It is possible to be in theta with conscious awareness. Expert meditators and people who practice with biofeedback machines or brain entrainment, light and sound devices, are able to get into theta with conscious awareness. It's like a lucid dream. Um, in some ways, it's like an acid trip. It's pretty amazing uh, altered state to be in. But 
Most people fall asleep before they get there. And then finally, delta is a range that moves from one cycle or a fraction of a cycle to about four cycles per second. And this is deep non-dream sleep. Okay? Deep, it's called NREM, no rapid eye movement. NREM sleep. Deep, deep, non-REM sleep. And you're usually sleeping in Delta for about 90 minutes or so before you come up into Theta, four to seven cycles, and have a dream that could last five or six minutes. And then you fall back into Delta for another hour and a half or so. And over the night, the dream period that five or six minute dream gets a little bit longer throughout the night and the period between the dreams a little bit shorter, 90 minutes and then 88 minutes and 84 minutes, you know. Uh, But it's basically uh, five or six minutes of dreaming every hour and a half or so, right? And that's moving between delta and theta. Theta is the REM state, sometimes alpha, okay? And um, I'd say alpha and theta together can be thought of as the range or the area between deep sleep and wide awake. My partner Steve Snyder and I sometimes call uh, alpha and theta narrow awake. Awake, alert, uh, very intelligent, uh, expanded awareness with deep relaxation and focused attention. Get that, make sure you understand that concentration is a relaxation skill, that you don't try to concentrate. You stop trying to concentrate. (laughs) Concentration is a letting go. Uh, It's it's breathing, letting go of muscular tension, but letting go of your tendency to be easily distracted and letting go to the point that you can rest gently upon a particular idea. Uh, an image like a, a lake with a surface as smooth as glass. If you just held that image in your mind's eye with your physical eyes closed, it would calm you. Right? The idea of a lake with a mirrored surface, nary a ripple, the undisturbed nature of that lake would promote an undisturbed nature in you. And that's one of the benefits of getting deeply relaxed, which is as the brain waves go lower and lower, it's easier to manage our thoughts and feelings. It's much easier to get the control that we're looking for that allows us to relax, to practice relaxing, to practice focused concentration, and to practice being smarter and more sensitive and better at performing, you know, mentally, emotionally, and physically, the practice in these alpha levels um, allows you to learn with fewer repetitions. Um, to understand with fewer repetitions, to peak your physical performance with 
fewer repetitions because your mind is focused. You learn something in normal consciousness, in beta, up in the 20s or low 30s, where most of us are trying hard to learn and understand. Well, it takes many more repetitions. The brainwave frequency is higher. Brainwaves are coming faster. And the brain is more concerned with your danger and your survival. Only when you feel truly safe and relaxed does the brain turn itself over to you and say, okay, this is a good time to explore your thoughts and feelings. You need to learn to shift the gears from being amped up and excited when you are facing a danger or or there is a reason for you to be easily distracted and to have your attention diverted easily. That can become a talent or a skill that you need, like driving in traffic or certain sports where you need divided attention. You need to multitask. But if you live there, the stress and anxiety will destroy you. And the truth of the matter is, peak mental intelligence and peak emotional intelligence happens in alpha and theta, these narrow awake states between awake and asleep. Okay? So from the bottom up, it's delta, deep non-dream sleep, zero to four cycles. Theta, four to seven cycles. That's REM sleep and hypnagogic imagery, dreaming. Alpha, which is sort of daydreaming, really, awake and alert, but focused attention, often eyes closed or a fixed gaze, and that's 8 to 12 cycles per second. And then anything from 12 up to 40 is beta. That's wide awake, alert, but scattered, easily distracted. A brain like sounds like a monkey house, all these ideas competing for attention. And then the upper regions in the 30s, in the upper regions of the brain waves, these are, uh, these are levels where we go when we have uh, panic attacks, nervous breakdowns, so-called anxiety attacks, uh, freak out, um, hysteria, uh, crying jags. Um, you just feel like you're coming apart. Uh, those would be the highest of all the brain waves in the uh, mid to upper 30s. Schizophrenia, um, some manic or even um, uh, paranoid experiences can generate really high brainwave levels. All right. So what is the correlation, now that you understand this elevator, okay, of, of high brain waves and lower brain waves, understand that higher consciousness is really found in the middle. When brain waves are too high, that's for reacting against external danger. And when, I don't mean when they're too high, that's when, when your brain waves are high, it's because you're facing real danger 
or you're confused and not sure, like a fear of flying would be imaginary danger, not real danger to fly. And then the other end of the brainwave spectrum, the low end, well, you're unconscious. So unconscious on the low end, freaking out on the high end, you're at your peak in the middle. More relaxed. Much more significantly more relaxed than normal consciousness. Especially in this day and age where we tend to live in these high anxiety states on the verge of panic and hysteria uh, and total uh, freak out. Uh, at all times. So, to be the best you can be, you need to breathe, relax, create a letting go feeling, meditate, contemplate, introspect, space out, space in, <laughs> learn to manipulate through relaxation your attention to a quiet, calm, still place. In between awake and asleep, in between wide awake and unconscious, this narrow awake level, that's where peak performance is found. About 10 cycles, all right? That should be the bullseye of your target, about 10 cycles per second. And you say, well, wait, I don't have a machine to measure that, so how do I know when I'm there? You know you're there when your mind stops jumping all over the place. <laughs> but the problem is people say, well, you mean I have to learn to quiet my mind to meditate and I don't know how to do that. Well, the good news is no, you don't quiet the mind to meditate. You practice meditation to learn to quiet the mind. And it's a lot like training a little puppy dog. You have to do it with love and affection and kindness and most of all, patience. You have to be patient with your brain. It's scared. It doesn't even know who you are. It doesn't know where you are. And it doesn't really know why you're here. And so your brain's a little bit freaked out most of the time, right? So to breathe, to relax, to learn, to get into a nice alpha brainwave level through meditation or biofeedback or any one of a variety of exercises, progressive muscular relaxation, where you relax part of your body and start at the feet or the head and then move through the body, relaxing different areas as you go. Autogenics, which is similar. Guided imagery and visualization, pretending, for example, with your eyes closed, that you're in a beautiful place, a garden or a wilderness, a place of perfect peace. And even though you know you're imagining it, you know you're making it up, the body goes, well, hell, that's good enough for me. I'm feeling more relaxed already. And therefore, a little bit smarter and a little more sensitive emotionally. And this is the point where we can break out of the vicious cycle. Our topic for the day today, we can break out of the vicious cycle of fear and ignorance. The round and round and round vicious cycle 
of anxiety and confusion. So, if you understand now, if you can imagine how anything unknown, especially if it's about you, I said you don't know who you are, it's a pretty safe bet. I'm talking to a lot of people now, so don't take this too personally, but <laughs> if the shoe fits, wear it. Uh, most people have no idea who they are. In other words, what makes them unique. They might think fingerprints or DNA, but come on. Uh, what is it about you that makes you unlike anyone else? And how would you know that? Who are you? Most of us have no idea. Ask somebody who they are, they'll give you a name. Say, well, that's your name, that's nice, but who are you? They'll fall back to their, their career. Well, I'm a school teacher, I'm a brain surgeon, I'm a truck driver. Well, that's nice, now I know your name, and I know what you do, but who are you, really? We don't have any idea who we are. What makes us tick? Why we love what we love and despise what we despise? Most of us are wearing Halloween costumes, playing a role. And I only know that because that is what I've been through and continue to go through. It's falling into the roles and the characters that the ego or the persona plays to get by in the world and, and to get real, for example, and plumb the depths and breadth, or maybe better said, the heights and the glory of who we really are as unique individuals, that requires some dedicated study, some real meditation and introspection. We don't really know where we are. We got an idea that we're on this planet, in this solar system, in this galaxy, in this universe. But very few of us understand the magnitude of it all. I've really played it all with the numbers, or found our location in the universe, or understand the way in which the universe is expanding, or the fact that out here, everybody's in outer space, you know? That movie title, It Came From Outer Space. Well, aren't we in outer space? I mean, <laughs> just as every everyone and everything else is in outer space, we're, we're, we're very egocentric uh, in that regard. The whole universe revolves around us. Well, we're in the middle of everything. No, actually, you're quite far off on the edge of things. And what are you for? <laughs> nobody seems to want to ask the question for fear there may not be an answer in fact there is an answer there's quite a few answers and they resonate with each other we do have a purpose as a species as a life as the one life we have a purpose capital P purpose a reason to be and then beyond purpose each of us as individuals bring meaning to our lives. There is purpose and there is meaning. Don't confuse the two. 
remind me and I'll do a program on meaning and purpose. We'll do a class one of these Sundays on meaning and purpose. They have some questions for me about that, too. Oh, we're going to go to the questions in just a minute. So if you're on the web and you have a question or a comment, uh, just type it into the text box. If your text box disappeared, press the button to ask your question, and it'll pop up on the left. And be sure and put your name and city in there before you hit submit. I won't see it if you don't hit submit. Send that along any time. And if you're on the telephone and would like to talk, um, and I strongly encourage people to do this, we need literally hundreds of people on this call just to get a couple who are willing to talk on the phone. I swear to God. Um, <laughs> those are the numbers. The vast majority of listeners would never think to call. But it's painless. I'm not going to attack you or make fun of you. And uh, I'd love it if you call. Uh, just press, if you're on the telephone or once you're hooked up uh, to the conference here live with your telephone, star two on the keypad will raise your hand and identify and I'll uh, unmute the callers one at a time. I could unmute several of you and have you talk to each other. and all kinds of possibilities, but we need more people that are willing to uh, to call. Again, on average, 200 times the people that listen live are listening to the, uh, the podcast. vast majority um, are listening to, like 90, 95% are listening after the fact to the free podcast, and that's okay. That's cool. Um, join us live whenever you can. And we'll go to the comments and the questions in just a few minutes. Let me summarize them and provide the secret key that we're talking about. I've described not only these brainwave states, but the two cycles of the way thoughts promote feelings and feelings promote thoughts a positive version of that and a negative version of that. The negative version of the cycle of thoughts promoting feelings, which promote more thoughts and more feelings and more thoughts and more feelings, that cycle, the negative version of that, we all know well, it's fear and ignorance or anxiety and confusion. And take a look at how they do promote each other. Wherever you jump in, you want to start with the fear? Well, does that not promote ignorance? The more frightened you are, do you not see frightened people doing ignorant things? Okay. Yes, of course. So the more frightened or stressed or anxious we are, the more helpless we feel, the more defensive we think we need to be, the more confused we get the stupider we get. Angry people are the last to know that the more angry they get, the less intelligent they become. And angry people are easy to take advantage of if you can remain calm. The problem is angry people tend to make other people angry and then you both get stupid and say things that you don't really mean that you later regret 
and take actions you wish you could take back later. But just as fear creates confusion, confusion, ignorance, things unknown, well, that's scary. It's, it's scary not to know. So that creates more fear, which is confusing, which is scary. And the fear and the ignorance feeds itself around and around. Well, peace of mind as love, as consciousness, promotes understanding. It's the antithesis. If you feel instead of afraid, you feel safe and relaxed, well, that's a state of mind where you're much more likely to understand and to have the aha experience. And Oh, well, of course, why didn't I see that before? And you giggle or laugh out loud and let go in your body, and now you're feeling even more relaxed, even safer more peaceful and more loving, which promotes more understanding and more love and more understanding. And this spiral lifts us up. And so the question is, how do we get from the vicious cycle of fear and ignorance pulling us down into stupid, into insensitive, into lonely and isolated and alienated and angry? How do we break that vicious cycle and move into an upward spiral where understanding promotes a loving, peaceful feeling of expanded awareness, which promotes more understanding and more love and more understanding and more love and lifts us, heals us, enlightens us, illumines us, don't you see? allows us to understand, to see, oh, I see. <laughs> oh, I get it. Here comes the light. Well, just like a railroad has two tracks, I always think of this as railroad having two tracks, like the letter R for rail, the letter R for road, or railroad has two tracks or two R's. And that's the secret of the key to today's lesson. The two R's that, like railroad, two tracks that take us from the vicious cycle of fear and ignorance to the beautiful upward spiral of love and understanding, those two R's are relaxation and responsibility. Relaxation to move into the brainwave levels of alpha, and in some cases, upper theta, but to keep it simple, we'll just say roughly 10 cycles per second. Relaxation, so the brain feels safe enough to give up its fight-or-flight response. Because the, the, the trade-out for those tight muscles and the adrenaline and all of the strength that you need to, to fight the danger or run from the danger, the trade-out is you lose intelligence. So to gain intelligence and insight and understanding, you have to feel safe and remind, remind your egoic self, the lower self, the false self, that you're really not in any danger. Yeah, you're confused, you're, you're, you're wound up, but 
it's not from danger, it's just from confusion, and you need to substitute a relaxation response for the fight-or-flight response. Relaxation is the first R, to move into the appropriate brainwave levels, alpha, on demand, and responsibility. Responsibility means you've got to eliminate blame from your vocabulary. Not only the blame of other people and finding fault and putting responsibility onto them, but also to give up self-blame, to abandon blame altogether and just accept the reality of the situation that you're in. I have to say often, acceptance is not giving up. Acceptance is getting real enough to admit where you are, and this is where you begin. Acceptance is where you begin. Acceptance is the starter block that a runner gets into before the race, that he or she pushes off from to begin the race. You accept that this is the starting line. You accept that this is where you're at. Get real and stop the denial. That's what acceptance is about. And you do that in lieu of blaming yourself or blaming somebody else. And you put your attention on initiating a behavior. Not reacting like some reflex or knee-jerk reaction without thought but substituting even-tempered, well-reasoned responses. Responses that you've carefully chosen and considered. And substituting consciously those appropriate responses for the knee-jerk reaction that the vast majority of time is inappropriate, over-the-top. you later regret it because your body thinks you're in danger, it didn't know you were only confused. And your body, further, your brain, your subconscious, thought that danger was coming at you from somebody else. It didn't realize that the confusion is really you don't know you. It was Tolstoy that said everybody wants to change the world, but Few people think of changing themselves as a way to do it. Have you noticed how interested we are in other people? We want to know all about everybody except ourselves, not interested in that. That's way too risky, way too scary to know thyself or to thine own self be true. Way too much at stake. I'd just rather judge everybody else. And instead of managing me, I'll manage and control the whole world around me. Which is absurd. It brings us back to that that aphorism that I, I love so much about covering the world with leather to protect your feet. You could do that. It's just simpler to wear shoes. So responsibility to be accountable, to say, wait a minute, if it's confusion, not danger, then it's about me. I'm the one that's confused. 
Now, I may be confused about the world around me, or more than likely, I may be confused about me and who I am and where I am and why I'm here and what I'm for. And if you've got enough answers to get yourself by, well, fine. If you've found the answers, then rarely are you confused and often you'll be at peace. Just keep doing whatever you're doing better and better. But for the vast majority of us that get upset from time to time, get angry, find the hurt and the anger by breathing and relaxing and taking responsibility are our relaxation and responsibility. Those are the twin tracks that will lift you from the vicious cycle of fear and ignorance into the upward spiral of love and understanding. Relax and own it. Relax and empower yourself. Feel safe and at ease, strong and powerful but in an elegant and graceful fashion. And take responsibility for your life. What is that? The ability to choose your response. I have choices. As long as you play victim and appeal to others for sympathy, you paint yourself into a powerless corner to get your power and do something about it you got to give up that victimization and that helplessness and those pathetic appeals to your friends to understand poor poor pitiful you and step into your power and feel powerful and say well I may not have created this situation but I'm going to create the response. You get it? I may not have had anything to do with the situation I find myself in. Maybe I did contribute to it. Maybe I. Maybe it's all my responsibility. Maybe every bit of this I created totally set myself up. But whether I did or just contributed to it or... Maybe I really am a victim and got blindsided. Does it matter? I can still take responsibility for it. For the response. And of course, the perception. You have to separate stimulus and response into stimulus, perception, and response. And understand that stimulus response without perception is usually just a reflex. Nothing chosen, nothing understood. You're still in fear and ignorance. And your responses are reflexive reactions without conscious awareness, without choice. But to put a point of perception between stimulus and response is to add the element of choice. I can choose my attitude, my perspective, my outlook, and my response. I can't, I, I, I can't control what's happening to me here. 
I have very little or no influence. I could try to duck it, avoid it, dodge it, get out of the way. Other than that, I don't have much power. I'm going to take this hit. Accept that. Not your fault. Or maybe it was your fault. Doesn't matter whether you created it, contributed to it, or were blindsided by it. You can choose your perspective, your attitude, and you can choose your response. Say to yourself, I have choices. Number one, I have lots of choices, more than are immediately apparent. Number two, number three, my choices are not in what's being done to me, but in how I look at it and how I respond. And then I choose my point of view and my response for the greater good of the of all concerned, the greatest good for the greatest number. I have choices. Very powerful affirmation. Just turn that over in your head. I have choices. I have choices. <laughs> I have lots of choices. Well, hell, I have more choices than I've even begun to consider. I wonder how many other choices I have and how I perceive and how I respond in my attitude and my consciously chosen response. RR, relaxation, to get the awareness, response, to make the choice. That's how you get out of fear and ignorance and into the upward spiral of love and understanding. All right, so um, let's see if we've got anybody on the phone that wants to uh, to talk. We do have callers, but I see at this point no hands in the air. Let me go over to the webcast side of things and see if we can find... Oh, let's see. Oh, there it is, Q&A. Been using this program long enough. I ought, to, I ought to have it down by now. Uh, let's see. I've got a message from Keith in Holly, Michigan. They should know where that is, having grown up in Michigan. Holly. I've heard of it. Anyway, Keith, good morning. He says, iPhone will not load Adobe Flash. Um, don't know enough about that. I guess that means that that you're not able to, um, to get the audio live. I'd have to think that through. I, I can't, uh, I'm not sure the implication here. But let me give that some more thought. And maybe write me an email, Keith. And, you know, never hesitate to let let us know if you're having any problem. This is an iPhone issue. It hasn't come up before. Uh, you're not bothering us. You're not bugging us. It helps us to improve our service with these new smartphones. And we may need to write a special app. I don't know. But we'll check that out. Thanks, Keith. And welcome from Holly, Michigan. Cool. On the Santa Barbara, Linda Allen is with us today. Hello, Linda. Linda's uh, 
an author and a friend of the program. And La Habra Carol Pastel, hello, Michael. And also she says hi to my wife, Doreen. Hello, Carol. I miss our Sunday chats, Carol. Hope you're doing well. In Guadalupe, California, Joe Terry says, nice site, good info, enjoy your wisdom. My favorite hermetist, hermetist, hermeticist, is Franz Barden. And case, question, question, question mark. Um, let's see, what else does he say? Any use in thinking about potential pole shift and what's your opinion of MP Hall? I love his work and a big uh, thanks, Joe in California. Joe Terry, thank you, Joe. The new name. Uh, I don't know the uh, Franz Bardon and the case, these guys you're talking about as hermeticists. Uh, students of Hermetic philosophy, uh, but Manley Hall I know quite well. I knew Manley personally. Um, my wife and I were married in uh, Los Angeles at the home of Manley and Marie Hall. By the time of our wedding, Manley had passed five years earlier. Uh, I used to speak at um, his organization, the Philosophical Research Society on Los Feliz on a regular basis for years and years in the early and mid-1980s and um, have met Mr. Hall, um, as I say, at his center and also at his home and um, I'm an avid student and, and admirer. The idea that he wrote his big book his magnum opus when he was 29 years old, or I think maybe even 27, I've forgotten the details, 27 or 29, we just call it the big book, and it's the secret teachings of the Kabbalists and the Hermeticists and the Rosicrucians, and uh, got some really cool illustrations and plates in it. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big admirer of Manley Hall and sort of the theosophical tradition, if you will, of uh, Bailey and Blavatsky and the New Thought uh, people of the early 19th century, um, Phineas Park Quimby, and of course Ernest Holmes came out of that, and uh, a lot of the mind science, religious science. Unity Church, Charles Fillmore and his wife came out of New Thought. Thanks, Joe. Canoga Park, Phil Jaffe says, please don't read this. <laughs> okay, I won't. But I'm glad you're on there. Hello, thank you. Um, let's see. Judy Craft in Arcadia. Hello, Judy. She says, hi, Michael. Great class. Thanks for sharing such wonderful info. Talk to you soon. Donna's with us in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She says, good class. I'd like to see it go a bit further regarding my awake state. The things I create in my life depending on my brain waves. What kind of thoughts do you recommend to allow me to be aware when I'm in real life? Oh, awake. And alerted, scattered. I don't think I operated in a high mind percentage in the awake 
doing state. I hope you'll do a lesson on this. Uh, I'm hooked on your Sunday sessions. Thanks. Yeah, that's something we can talk about in the video conference on Thursday night, too, which is much more interchange. Everybody can see everybody. Everybody's got a microphone and a video camera. Check the newsletter you get every Friday for details on that. You need to download a little browser from the Zorap site, and then you can join us um, Thursdays. Donna's usually there. She knows what I'm talking about. And, um, yeah, I think it's uh, a matter, really, of learning when you're stimulated uh, and feeling overstimulated and out of control to repeatedly reorient yourself, to breathe and relax and to feel balanced and centered and operate out in the world with your eyes open as if you were still mindfully detached, relaxed, and conscious. But to live in alpha, you can do that. And some people do. Um, an artist, for example, that spends a lot of time painting or a, or a poet or a writer that sort of knows how to shift gears and get into the writing mode where their concentration is real focused. And, you know, again, the idea is to live there. Um, listening to other people. It's easier to be an alpha with eyes open, awake, and in the world listening to people than talking. Most of us feel an anxiety about talking, about having to fill the hole or carry our side of the conversation. Um, but to be able just to kick back and listen and participate appropriately, um, and that's a skill that can be developed, too. Okay, let's see. Besides Donna, we have in Tucson, Lorelai Hatch. Aloha, Michael. Peace and love. And, um, oh, on the Big Island, Jim is with us here. Kao, I'm not sure. I still don't know how to pronounce that. Four vowels in a row. I've been out here three years. Kao, that's the way I'd say it. K-E-A apostrophe A-U, Kao. Anyway, I know it's out on the Big Island, and uh, it's nice to hear from you. He's saying Victor Frankl said that we are not always free to choose what happens to us, but we are always free to choose how we respond. Yep, and he learned that in a concentration camp. Uh, hopefully, we don't have to have such a severe experience to learn uh, the lesson that Victor Frankl writes about. All right, good deal, gang. Let's uh, do a visualization. Checking the telephones. Oh, Robert, here, we have a caller who wants to come on for a comment, and that's uh, Robert in West Los Angeles. Hello, Robert. You're on the Mystery School class with Michael. How how you doing? Uh, pretty good, Michael. How about yourself? Good, better and better. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I missed uh, uh, most of it uh, tuned in towards the last uh, 20 minutes. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting that we're sort of plagued by um, our multi-brain system having lived in an environment which posed uh, the necessity 
for very quick, lightning fast, reactive, no thought types of uh, responses to the environment. And uh, our intellect uh, of late, last oh, 1,500 years, maybe 1,000 years, has changed the condition in which we live so fast that that ancient brain system has so much momentum. Uh, we're, we really created a world in which it's it's obsolete. But the thing that's really interesting is that that on a collective level, you know, we talk about did I did I create this or did I not create this? But on a collective level, I think it's it's pretty apparent that with so many mind brains functioning in that ancient way, we're actually on a collective level producing the very circumstances that justify its continued use, which is uh, kind of a spooky proposition and uh, sort of necessitates all this conscious evolution. That you mean talk. life is a self-fulfilling prophecy, essentially? On a collective level, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm sure this is the reason that, that you know, going back to, I uh, can't even think of his name now, that suggested that we've reached a, a time where, you know, our evolution isn't uh, guided by the old, uh, you know, drive in nature. It's, it's got to be conscious. Uh, it's got to be driven by intent because anything else is too slow. Um the old shift to the hindbrain, uh, you know, it just doesn't uh, doesn't work for us anymore, except in in the most you know grave situations. Um, you know, I, I think you're making an excellent point, um, and let me let me say it in a different way, and you tell me if it seems from your point of view to fit with what you're saying, or or if you give me a, a sense of how this would relate to what you're saying, that perhaps one model of, of the growth of humanity, the evolution of, of humanity, is that we have been motivated almost exclusively till now by fear and running away from what threatens us, yet we're beginning to experience a tipping point where increasing numbers of people are motivated by love and understanding and moving toward what they do want instead of away from what they don't want. Maybe that's one way of looking at what's happening right now. If we can survive this critical transition, I just see more and more people becoming, of course, you see what you put your attention on, and I'm looking for it, but I see more and more people becoming loving and compassionate all the time. And just Yeah, that's another, that's another way of saying it, and uh, I guess you could, I mean, we could really put a point on it by saying that uh, more and more people are simply realizing, hey, wait a minute. Uh, I, I, with the world, with all its problems and all the the situations that we've created 
through neglect and indifference, still uh, the conditions are not as bad and not what they were uh, 50,000 years ago. I'm just not living in that reality anymore. Yeah. We're not living in that reality anymore. Um, no running water. I mean, no hot water. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we, you know, the, the, right down even to our physiology, we're seeing problems. You know, even even in, our, in the way our physiological mechanism <laughs> works, you know, brought about by these these rapid changes. You know, where we have you know where we hunter gatherers for a gazillion years, and now we've got more food available than we know what to do with. It's it's throwing our biochemistry into a uh, a condition that's uh, well, could be described as haywire, but uh, it's really the the intellect uh, for all it's given us has really uh, pushed us. I don't know. I'm not the first to say this, but has really pushed us so far ahead of uh, is is change conditions. Uh, and push them so far ahead of what we've dealt with for the majority of our experience on the planet yeah. uh, is really, you know, it's really quite, and maybe it's just that understanding, just having that understanding that can prompt people to, to say, oh, wait a minute. Well, I do have just, a different option. You know, it's just a few hundred years ago, given we've been here three million years by all accounts, uh, but, uh, just a few hundred years ago, Dick Cheney would not be controversial. People, everybody would say, well, of course you've got to torture, you know. And we hang people for picking pockets and, and stealing a loaf of bread. I mean, why wouldn't we uh, torture the enemy? And, I mean, uh, Victorian England, the king was still executing his wife because he had a bad day. I thought nothing of it, you know. King Henry went through eight of them. Uh, Yes, admittedly, we still have capital punishment, but we've given up the public stoning, and I think we've got one state that still has firing squads out in Utah, and uh, one or two that will still hang people by a rope, but we're trying to get, you know, a little more humane and, Many states, of course, uh, outlaw capital punishment. But there's no question that we're moving from a you-or-me world to a you-and-me world. And the the battles that we see, I think, too often is partisan and political, left-right, conservative, liberal uh, kinds of arguments are really... Uh, from my point of view, better understood um, sociologically, psychologically, even spiritually, as humanity evolving to the point that we're beginning to understand that we can either work against each other or with each other. We can either work out of fear or out of love. And you can see the trend. The the <laughs> The the trend is obviously away from the conservative who keeps trying to take us back in time and toward the progressives that are trying to move forward in time and forward in evolution. And we will continue to move forward. There's no, 
there's no question. I mean, I think there are some real conservative values that are worth retaining, but what what represents the right in this country is not about conservatism anymore. Uh, anyone, it's just like I want my country back. <laughs> A lot of it's just racism. White people, uh, what do they call them? Low information voter, the poorly educated white people that uh, are being exploited by the hatred and the anger on the right wing. That's a, that's a, to me, that's dying so rapidly. It's like watching dinosaurs become extinct. And very exciting. Give me a parting shot, Robert. Well, I think you're right. People are realizing that uh, any problems that we still have that might justify the utilization of the old-style reactivity are really created by mankind's indifference. You know, this what you're talking about, the indifference toward fellow man, the fellow being, creates the very situation that tends to necessitate these old responses. And it's, it's extremely regressive, uh, you know, backward ain't the word, um, <laughs> Uh, that's and fortunately, uh, the hundred monkey phenomena works for the population on the planet. I don't know what the actual number would be. I've calculated uh, as low as sixty million uh, might get us uh, to to a point where we could actually flip the whole thing. Yeah, I think it's inevitable. I think the cosmic wind is at our back. The universe wants to grow, it wants to expand, it wants to heal, it wants to refine. And uh, again, there's, there's suffering along the way. We could do it more elegantly. We could be a lot better at uh, the unfolding uh, than we are. But who knows, maybe we need it. There's the, uh, the, the understanding that if you cut a butterfly out of its cocoon, even uh, a few hours before it would otherwise emerge, it'll never develop the strength in the wings to fly. The butterfly will never, or moth will never fly. It needs the struggle of getting out of that cocoon to force the fluids down into the wings to get the strength to fly, albeit for a very short lifetime, a couple of days. But I, I, I find that interesting, that adversity, someone said, adversity is the, the diamond dust heaven uses to polish its jewels, that we need some adversity. If our lives were all tra-la-la and perfect and full of sunshine and unicorns, who would orient themselves spiritually? Who would ask the difficult questions about existence? Um, we would just go about our merry way. It's, it's adversity in life's challenges, I think, that forces us to stretch and, and ponder and, and consider these big existential questions. Well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, so don't cut open any butterfly cocoons. Okay, oh yeah, don't cut any butterfly cocoons <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> let them suffer. <laughs> diamond, diamond dust. That almost sounds like uh, maybe Kabir or uh, I'm not sure where that comes from. 
That's, uh, that's, that's, a good, that's right around out of uh, Spock could have said that. In Star yeah, Trek. it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, diamond uh, adversity is the diamond dust heaven uses to polish its jewels. Yeah, very cool. One of my favorites. All right, Robert, thank you for calling. Take care. Have a great one. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again for using the phone. Okay, let's do our uh, guided imagery exercise, and um, then we'll let you go for the day here today. So if you get comfortable and relaxed. I want you to sit up rather than lay down. I mean, there's no law against laying down, but it's likely you'll fall asleep. So better to sit up. Finish my coffee. And um, again, you can lean back. The idea is to sit straight as straight as possible, um, how do I say it, erect but not rigid, sit up but be balanced so that you can relax all the muscles in the neck and the spine and feel nicely balanced, all right, shoulders back, open up your rib cage, do a couple shoulder shrugs, couple of head rolls, and with eyes closed, take a couple of slow, deep breaths, as you begin to feel safer and more relaxed. Breathe through your nose, if possible, inhaling, fill the lungs, exhaling, ah, the sigh of relief is the sigh of release. Go beyond where you'd normally stop on the exhale. And after taking several slow, deep breaths, allow your body to breathe itself, find a natural rhythm or a cadence, just Turn your breathing over to autopilot. And I'd like you to begin to visualize around you a beautiful place of peace, and a place that um, is outdoors in nature. It could be a beautiful garden, flowers, fruits, vegetables. Or it could be a remote wilderness area, some roadless environment that few is idyllic. One of your favorite places that you could even imagine. Maybe it looks like some place you have actually been or from your imagination or a combination of the two, dream it up. Trees, bushes, shrubs, flowers, open sunny meadows, shady forested places. Deeper in the forests, 
cool, enchanted pools of water and waterfalls and cascades. Maybe you're high in a mountain, deep in a valley, on a beach, in a desert. Whatever for you feels really safe and beautiful. And I'd like you to sit upon the earth. If you haven't imagined doing that already, do it now. Sit down in a in a spot that is one of your favorite spots here. And feel the earth beneath you. And I'd like you to allow my voice to guide you and yet still allow yourself to hear birds singing that's so easy to do hear the birds and the feeling you're making it up is exactly right you can hear the wind in the trees When those gentle breezes blow, you can feel the breezes across your face, maybe blowing through your hair. You can smell the fragrances. And feel as if time is standing still for you here, so there's no place else you need to go, at least for the next few minutes. And there's really no place you'd rather be in a place of perfect peace, in a place of ideal relaxation. And what I'd like you to do is you feel yourself sitting in this beautiful place rooted or grounded to the earth, like electrically plugged in. Remember a time, a recent time, in the last few days, when you were hurt or upset, particularly angry or irritated, And now that you look back on it, you can remember feeling pulled down by a vicious cycle. Of emotional anxiety, creating mental confusion. And the harder you try to sort out the mental confusion, the more frustrated, irritated, and angry you become. And that misunderstanding or lack of understanding, that lack of awareness or ignorance, if you will, causes more anxiety, 
just another word for fear. Nervousness, worry, doubt, apprehension, negative thinking, turning it over and over and over in your head. The nature of a vicious cycle that you can remember now from not so long ago, this one particular time. You're allowing yourself to remember the hurt, the frustration, the irritation, maybe even a little anger in there. And recognize the feeling in your body of the vicious cycle of anxiety and confusion, of fear and ignorance, of how it feels in the body. Well, remembering today's lesson, the twin tracks of relaxation and responsibility will lead us out of here. Relaxation, well, we've already done that. Here we are in this beautiful place of perfect peace where we can remember anger without being angry where we can recall frustration and irritation without experiencing either. Where we can dig deeper and find the hurt beneath all of it and sit with it and explore it so as to understand it. In this level of mind, safe and relaxed, the alpha brainwave level, paradise. Ten cycles, roughly. In this level of mind, we feel safe and relaxed and can look at the emotional hurt and upset without feeling nearly as strongly the negativity of that hurt and upset. It's like instead of being driven by the negative emotion, we take one step back and detached are able to watch it. Almost as if you were watching a television drama from the comfort of your sofa and you're interested and you're involved in it but you're over here on the sofa and after all that's just on the TV or your neighbors up the block and you care about them they're nice people but it's their life imagine approaching your own pain your own hurt and upset with that degree of detachment to be so safe and so relaxed that you can be in your world but not of it. Where you can look at your anger without being angry and explore your hurt without suffering the hurt. You can do that here. The two R's, relaxation and responsibility. Uh, it's time to make a choice. 
I have the ability to choose my response. That's my responsibility. It's not about blaming, throwing that away, blame of others, blame of self, even throw throw all that blame stuff away. Take some ownership instead, some accountability. Well, however I got in this jam, I'm the one that's going to get me out. Doesn't much matter if I created it, contributed to it, or was blindsided by it. I will choose my response, and I will initiate that response. Relaxation and responsibility lead us from the vicious downward spiral of fear and ignorance into a complementary, gentle, upward spiral, an uplifting, transforming, unfolding of love and understanding. Fear and everything that hurts emotionally are symptoms of what you don't understand. The antidote is to understand, thereby transmuting fear and the pain it supports into love and the joy and happiness that it releases. Love vanquishes fear. Understanding vanquishes ignorance. Understanding replaces St. George's goodness, slaying the dragon evil, rather than good having to kill evil. Love and understanding vaporizes. <laughs> and supplants fear and ignorance as surely as light drives out shadow no struggle at all evil fights back fear doesn't evil's struggles like the dragon would struggle against St. George ignorance doesn't do that it succumbs to understanding don't you see and thus we lift a you-or-me world into a you-and-me world by solving your own problems and blaming no one and doing it on a deep level, not just the elements of the problem, moving things around in your world, but the deep emotional and spiritual pain that should be dealt with directly. In just this way. Two tracks. Relaxation and responsibility. RR, like a railroad. Relaxation and responsibility are the tracks that will lead you from the vicious cycle of fear and ignorance to the upward spiral of love and understanding. And now, with regard to your particular feeling from 
not long ago, that you were called again only minutes ago. Understand something about it that you didn't understand before by facing it. In this level of mind, with your awareness expanded, just look at it. Sit quietly and watch it. And maybe ask yourself silently, what can I learn about myself from the way I felt the other day? What can I learn about me? What's my central growth lesson? As you look at yourself and your behavior, take a moment to turn it over in your mind. To contemplate, uh, to sit receptive, make no effort here. Gee, I wonder if there was a lesson for me in all of this, something I could learn that would make me a better person, what might that be? as you realize, even if only bits and pieces of it slowly coming together, as you begin to realize those bits and pieces, or perhaps you get a big understanding, in any event, in every event, you'll know it, because the realization will eliminate some of the hurt that you remembered from the other day. It'll tranquilize some of the fear that supported it just the other day. And even a few minutes ago when you first brought it to mind. You'll feel the resolution, the resolution, the solution over again. It feels like putting something down, letting it go, now that you really understand it. You retain the lesson, put down the hurt, put down the upset, let go of the anger, the frustration, even the irritation, let it go. As you bring with you effortlessly the understanding. You need not even carry it or hold it. For understanding is everywhere equally present. It'll be there wherever you go. Your understanding will be there waiting for you. So let go. Drop everything. And be the understanding. Be the awareness. Be the light. And be the love. And be the peace. The peace of mind you bring with you back into the room. 
that you find waiting for you as you enter into the waking state and move about your world today. Feel the cushion supporting you. Remember the room you'll see in a moment. As you inhale fully, hold for a moment as you peek. Exhale now and open your eyes, wide awake, alert, refreshed, back in the room, better than before, feeling fine, feeling even better than before. With a sense of resolution, sense of understanding, peace of mind, spiritual love. Okay, there you go. Hope you enjoyed it. The, um, there, you know, on the, uh, home site, theagelesswisdom.com. Again, as uh, you go inside to listen to the streaming program, if you click on homepage and then web teleconference, you'll see the archives of all of these wisdom classes. But I want to point out, you'll see a line in there, a link that says, send one to a friend. And If there's somebody that you know who would really enjoy what you've just heard, uh, wait about three minutes till I shut this thing down, and then go to theagelesswisdom.com, click on homepage, and then web teleconference, and uh, choose this program, and then enter your friend's email, and it goes right off to them, and they're free of charge, just like this program is free to you. And if you'd like to support all the work we're doing and benefit yourself, invest in yourself as well, we have a premium audio version of this called Finding Yourself in Paradise. It's a studio quality program with my business partner of 35 years, uh, Stephen Snyder. And you can find that at focusedpassion.com. It's a buck, you guys. It's 99 cents a week. And it supports... Everything that we do pays our broadband fees for the mystery school here, for the Thursday night video class, for the Ning site, our social net at theagelesswisdom.ning.com. That's our social net, theagelesswisdom.ning.com, like Facebook for people in the metaphysics and personal development. Share one with a friend. You see the gadget there on the built-in uh, archive at theagelesswisdom.com. Click homepage and web teleconference. Thanks very much for being with us. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Bowie.